I like plot twists, and we're about to get a plot twist. If you remember, the speeches in Job have been like a tennis match, except that the, the opponent for Job keeps changing. It's Eliphaz, then it's Zophar, then it's Bildad, then it's back to Eliphaz. And so he's got, a, he's got a volley against all of them. One gives a speech, and then Job. Another gives a speech, then Job. And then uh, the system's broken for a bit. And Job goes on at great length for chapters. And I hope you've been reading and following along. And then Bildad just says a little bit, and Job goes on. And then we have Elihu, who comes in, and we didn't even know he was there, but he has quite a lot to say. And then Job comes back, and so the, the expectation in the book is that we will now receive a response to Job from one of these four friends, or perhaps another plot twist, another friend, and you have to put air quotes around the friend, shows up. But no, in a plot twist, end all plot twist, a new speaker arrives and he has something to say. God. God shows up. Now he's waited a long time, and I'm going to ask you to wait a long time, another couple of weeks, for me to explain the why God waited because he actually tells us but it's hard to spot if you don't know where to look but god waited a bit job 38 and verse 1 then the lord now notice the capitals there just just real quick i think most of us know it the hebrews were afraid to speak the name of god because they were afraid they would take it in vain and so they spelled it with four consonants in the hebrew language there are no vowels to indicate vowel sounds, they put little dots and dashes above and below the line. Those are called jots and tittles. And you've heard that phrase if you're a Bible person. They never would put those around this. And it was only pronounced one time a year by the high priest in a special thing. And over time, the pronunciation got lost. The uh, tetragrammaton is what they call it, the four consonants. Some people pronounce it uh, Yahweh, but we don't know. And so whenever the scripture comes up and it has all that capitals, it means Yahweh. If we could get Job 38 back up, please. Because um, I want you to notice something. Then the Lord, this name is not used for God very often in Job. It shows up more starting now. Jehovah God, Yahweh, arrives. He spoke to Job out of the storm. You need to catch that phrase. We often look at storms as a sign of the absence of God. We cry out, how long, O Lord? We even cry out, where are you, O Lord, when he's in the storm? He's doing work in the storm. He may have caused the storm. He may not have caused the storm, but he's in the storm. Storms don't cause God to go away from us, nor are they a sign that God has left us. And that is so against us, because we, our, our natural tendency. Because we, we, we tend to do, no matter how much we read Ecclesiastes and Job, we tend to equate earthly blessing with the presence of God and suffering with his absence. And God is in the storm. And please remember, there was another storm in this book. There was a whirlwind that came and killed Job's children. But God was in the storm. Did God kill the children? No, that's made rather plain in Scripture that that was the work of the devil. 
but even though it was the work of the devil, God came in. He did not let those children die without him. He was there. This is very hard to talk about to people who have not experienced a great deal of personal loss. If you talk to a hospice worker, for example, who are my heroes, and if you talk to people who have dealt with death and dying at great length, you find dying is almost never lonely. They see, they feel the presence of others in a way that is comforting uh, in almost every circumstance that I've seen. Dying is not lonely. God was in the storm that killed his children too. God did not let them die alone. Jesus really ramps this up in scripture. And, this, and a lot of translators have issues with it, trying to figure out, well, this, there should be another word here. Because Jesus said, the sparrow, even a sparrow will not fall to earth without the Father. Almost all translations will say, without the Father's knowledge without the Father's care. Without, that word's not there. God won't even let a bird die alone. He doesn't remove death. And he may not take the storm away. But you are not alone. God's presence does not mean that the storm is ending or that it will end well. Jesus, for example, prayed that this cup of suffering be taken from him and it was not. God's presence was there, but he still died. It's one of the reasons why, if I had a Facebook friend with prayer, I would put our relationship as, it's complicated. Because to me, it's never been that automatic. Say three prayers, get this. If you want to stop that, say this prayer. And anytime anybody says, we've got this magic prayer that will bring this to your life, I'm looking at him going, you're no better than the rest of us, Lottie. The rest of us are suffering through the storm, and so will you. There's no magic prayer. The next two verses set us up for God's first speech. Who is this? By the way, I don't want that to be the phrase God says when he walks into my room. Who are you? That obscures my plans with words without knowledge. In the older versions, it'll say that darkens counsel by words without knowledge. In other words, all these words are making it worse. Amen to that. We don't need more words. Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you will answer me. Okay. Whew. You know, I've heard of several lawsuits uh, that are, have been dismissed because they say that the plaintiff did not have standing. In other words, they, they did not have the right to bring the, the case. They had not suffered to bring the case. Job's about to find out his demand that God answers his questions has no standing in God's court. You can, you can ask, but no demanding. He's about to get his lawsuit tossed. Let me give you a special heads up about what's going to happen in the next few chapters. We're not going to piecemeal go over it like I would really like to, because we have only two more weeks in the book of Job. Then we have a special Sunday where we will be centered around prayer and repentance, getting ready for the event at the end of the month. That will be led by our prayer team and some wise women, of course, that are putting that all together. That will be a brilliant Sunday. 
We have two more Sundays with Job. So I can't break it all down. But in God's speech, there is a lot of stuff we call scientific foreknowledge. In other words, stuff God could know, but Job could not have known. Neither could the ancient Jews, Hebrews, have known. This is, this is kind of like Leviticus. Do you remember when we did Leviticus years ago and we called it the Buick and the Pyramid? And I'm going to ask um, Laurie Lee this week if we could actually have that put up somewhere on the website so that you can go back if you weren't here um, that done six years ago so um, we won't have a test but it'll be back there for you we find a lot of information in God's speech which is anachronistic which means it's out of time it is here well before time and we've used examples of that before like in Macbeth when they uh, there's a scene where they hear cannon fire which means he's got brilliant hearing because gunpowder didn't make it to Scotland for hundreds of years after Macbeth. You know, there are things like that. Um, in the movie, The Vikings, they're rowing, uh, the, the Vikings are rowing up a fjord and one of the rowers has a watch on, you know, it's, you see these things and you're going, oh, but whenever you see them in the Bible, you have to go, huh. There's a Canadian astrophysicist named Hugh Ross, which is, um, he runs a good website called Reasons. Uh, .org, www.reasons.org, if you want to have that. There's also BioLogos, which is an amazing website. There are a lot of websites run by scientists who believe, and Hugh Ross is one of them. He has a lot to say about Job. In fact, he has a book about the science and surprises in Job. Um, and again, I'm not giving him blanket thing. Everything he says, I agree with. And I'm sure he wouldn't agree with everything I say. But that's a good resource if you want to look at Job. But what you need to get right now, and this is very important, is that God's going to do something for the first time. This is so cool. It really is. I know I can geek out over stuff, but this, I think you'll geek out too once you understand what's going on. Remember, this is our oldest book. This is our oldest story. By three to five hundred years, older than Genesis. Get that in your head first. It's one of the reasons why it's so hard to translate, is the Hebrew is so ancient. We don't have a lot of examples of other things to help us translate it. God's going to lay down a story 500 years, perhaps, before Moses did. Now, think 500 years ago. Do you remember 500 years ago? It's lovely, wasn't it? We didn't wear masks. That was good. But in 1520, that's the year that Ferdinand Magellan entered the Pacific Ocean. That's also the year Fernando Cortez fought the Aztecs, and now what we call Mexico. I just want to give you that space. Think about a story which was written then and not going to be written again until now. And what now is, is Genesis 1. God is going to tell the story of creation his way and it's going to be very different they're not in conflict don't get don't go there genesis 1 is actually a poetic response to the saga of gilgamesh which was around at the time it was a standard creation myth of a battle between the gods and they bite off bits of each other and spit off things and that becomes a planet and then this this being splits into other ones and moses writes what God gives him to write, order. 
No, no. It wasn't built out of chaos. It was built out of order. God is going to do it in his own way here, orderly and precise, with drama and emotion. Now, that's something which is missing in Genesis 1 and 2. But when God tells the story, there's drama and emotion. And I, just, I'm, you, I keep grinning because I can't, keep, can't stop grinning, thinking that when God tells the story, he says it's even cooler. And he's going to show you how cool it is. Look at Job 38, 4 through 7. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off its dimensions? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy? Oh, we live in a universe that has a sense of order. Even in chaos, there is order. There used to be a thing in physics, and you can still buy a lot of books on it if you have a lot of time, uh, called chaos theory. You've heard of chaos theory. Chaos theory is rather like string theory. String theory right now is on its last legs. It worked for a while, but eh, run into problems. Chaos theory, they found out something. The deeper they, de they, they delved into the chaos of the universe, they found that chaos occurs in a predictable, orderly way. which begged the name of the science. It's not chaos if it's predictable. The universe is still incredibly weird, but it isn't without its own rules and boundaries that are discoverable, applicable, and help us then learn how to predict what comes next. And God says, I've laid all this out. I've said all this in order. By the way, if any of you are thinking, but what about the Big Bang? Right now, we think the Big Bang's probably how God did it. But if you're thinking, well, the Big Bang's chaotic. I've been back in America for about 30-some years now. <laughs> Every July 4th, you celebrate that little to-do we had. And you arrange your explosions for color, shape, and sound. If... Cletus, with three fingers left, can figure that out in the trailer park behind my house. And I've lived in trailer parks. I'm not messing with you guys. I've, I've, I've lived in them too. If he can figure that out, I think God can figure out how an explosion could be orderly and lay down the foundations. If I drove this week, I'd look at the... And again, America's fantastic. Because any other country, oh, there's a hill, we'll drive over it. America, eh, can't be bothered. Let's cut right through it. And so you cut and you see all the layers. And the layers aren't always like this. Sometimes they're like this and, and chaotic and meshed together. And I'm going, yeah, that was one grain at a time. That was amazing. Think of the Nautilus. If you don't know about the Nautilus, just Google the Nautilus and order in the universe. There is a mathematical precision to the nautilus shell. The same mathematical rule of the nautilus shell is the same mathematical rule that rules every cell, every star, even energy. 
and it's all presented to us. God has laid down the order. God leads with this because if Job's going to have to have standing with God, then he's going to have to figure out how to do what God did and what God did, and that's a pretty high bar. But God goes on. Who shut up the sea behind doors when it burst forth from the womb? When I made the clouds its garment and wrapped it in thick darkness. When I fixed limits for it and set its doors and bars in place. When I said, this far you may come and no farther. Here is where your proud waves halt. Have you ever given orders to the morning? Or shown the dawn its place? That it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it. Well, let's just think here. When the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, what were the morning stars and how did they sing? Well, ever since 1947, we've been recording the stars singing. It doesn't sound melodic. It's, 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 it's kind of anti-melodic. <laughs> you know, I was, at, I was at a place once where they were playing whale songs, and I'm going, and I'm out. You know, I, that's just, that's, I'm thinking, first of all, anybody that would pick that, I don't know that I want to buy their stuff, but it, uh, it's very, very mournful. The stars, it's, it's a very metallic sound. It's, it's the vibrations of the Big Bang, but it's also the vibrations they make as they either, um, they have fusion or fission, and that all goes. But we still record all of this. Who knew morning stars sang? Who knew seas broke forth? This is a guy that lives in the northeast corner of the Arabian Peninsula. What does he know about seas and freshwater springs in the middle of saltwater oceans, which were just really discovered and gone into in the 1960s? That's kind of a long time before Arthur after the book of Job. I can actually remember watching Jacques Cousteau. Do you remember him? I always enjoyed Jacques because he reminded me of my dad. Here's why. Jacques didn't go do the dangerous stuff. It was my son, Michael, will now be flung into the pit. It's, it's, um, it's actually what I've been told. There was a mutual of Omaha thing uh, back, a wild kingdom thing, where there was an old guy. He always sent the young guy out. You'll see he's wrestling with a python. You know, it's Jacques Cousteau always did that. But it's the 1960s and in black and white, and they're finding freshwater eruptions in the middle of the ocean who set that up who balanced the clouds and then he says job can you design a world that can shake the evil out of it spoiler alert you don't want to you don't who here would survive who, who of us picture a world where god will not allow harm or evil to occur now, I'm going to ask you to stretch your mind and assume McDonald's is still allowed to exist. But if you have any health concerns, if you're a bit overweight, I, I'm sure his, God's chart is far more merciful than your doctor's. But if you are overweight, the, you, you can't get in. You try, but the door won't work. Inside, you see a bunch of anorexics trying to get out. Nope. You're going to have to gain more weight before you go. Do you want a world like that? Do you want a world where you're walking Main Street and you're going, oh, there's a break in the traffic and you can't cross? Not a crosswalk. God won't let your legs move. 
Or you walk by the cheesecake factory and you think, and he goes, no. No. Uh-uh. Do you want a world where you can't make bad decisions? You want a world where nobody else can. Right? Let's be honest. We want a world where everybody else behaves, but God understands. We want them to be judged by their actions and us to be judged by our intentions. And God says, Job, you ready for a world that I shake the evil out? No. How about Job 38, um, 16 through 18? Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea? There it is again. Or walked in the recesses of the deep? Have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the deepest darkness? We're going to talk about that. Have you comprehended the vast expanses of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. By the way, again, northeast, uh, uh, northeast section of what you would today call Saudi Arabia is where these people live. It's not really riddled with freshwater springs. This is new stuff. We're going to keep going. Job 38, 19 through 21, please. I move quickly. Do you have it? There it is. <laughs> uh, what is the way? Ooh, this is big. What is the way to the abode of light? Until 1930s, we said light had no mass. Spoiler alert. Oh, yes, it does. And where does the darkness reside? Oh, this is fun. Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know. For you've already born. You've lived so many years. <laughs> okay. A um, couple things. First, yes, God is getting sarcastic. He can do that. And he does that a lot. Not just in Job, but in Job, it's a fine art of sarcasm. I will wait for just a moment for you to readjust now your picture of God. Okay, let's move on. Second, light has mass. Before Albert Einstein and Niels Bohr, we didn't think light had mass. Now we do. We, in fact, can make lasers out of it that can cut through stuff. We can concentrate light. We can bend light by putting, okay, I know, I'll back away a little bit, by putting stuff around it that bends light. How's that? We, we used to think nothing would bend light. Yeah, it has mass. It can be bent. It can be weighed. It comes from a place. It can be concentrated. And it gets a lot weirder in quantum physics. And because I love you, I won't go there. And I want you to know it causes me deep personal hurt. The, but the passage also talks about the dwelling place of darkness. Hmm. For our physics, quantum physics, astrophysics, to work, to be predictable, to be testable, to be something that allows us to bring order to our universe, allows us to make computers and cars and trips. We have to accept that the universe is full of dark matter and dark energy. In fact, and please check this, please check this, because I know it sounds crazy. We believe that the universe, if you add up the percentage of the universe, which is made up of dark matter and dark energy, you will come up with our present number is 99.37% of the universe is dark matter and dark energy. I'll say that again. 
99.37%. Here is the kicker. We've never seen it. We cannot find it. How smart are we if we have only found 0.63% of the universe? And yet you still have people standing there going, well, I went to college, so there's no God. <laughs> really? Can I introduce you to the first, chapter, uh, the first speech of God in Job 38? Who are you? And where were you? I can remember back in the day when Shirley MacLaine, an actress, died. Well, I don't know if she died or not, but she kind of disappeared a long time ago. Well, uh, thought she was God. Remember that? In the we, we're all gods now thing. And they even had a big movie. It was a big hit. A big book too. Out on a limb. It was a big deal. And she even stood there in one great scene of the movie. On the beach. Arms thrown out yelling, I am God. I am God. Those are supposed to be all empowering that we're all gods. Have you ever wondered what that looked like from God's perspective? A little noise. <laughs> Way out there. in a university classroom once. I was an adult gone back in to get some, uh, uh, some more language skills, actually. So I was taking a foreign language, uh, sitting in there with all the young folk. And one of the one, discussion went sideways somewhere, and I was just waiting for it. One of the, the, the young girls there said, I think we're all gods. I turned to her and I said, you're God? And I kind of floored her, because it was easier to be God in a group. <laughs> She goes, well, yeah, I guess in a sense. And I said, if you are God, I'm not certain you're good at it. Because you seem to be stuck in a small windowless room with a person who disagrees with you. I would think if you're God, you could have arranged your day better. And it, and it got, it, 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 it was a wonderful experience. We cannot find dark matter or dark energy, but we do see their effect on the things we do find. Hear me on this. That's why I believe in God. I can't see him. I cannot quantify him. I cannot predict him, but I can see his effect on everything I can see. And there is no other explanation but that there is a God. You believe in dark matter and dark energy. They're not the same as God. Please, please don't ever do that. And by the way, I think God would love for us to find that dark stuff. He built exploring into us. He wants us to go find stuff. That was our job, wasn't it? Subdue the earth, master it, learn this stuff. But it's out there and we need to have a little bit of humility. And then this. Have you entered the storehouses of the snow? I'd like to review where Job lives. I gotta quit. I just saw the clock. And or the storehouses of the hill, which I reserve for times of trouble, for days of war and battle. What is the way to the place where the lightning is dispersed, or the place where the east winds are scattered over the earth? Who cuts a channel for the torrents of rain and a path for the thunderstorm? To water a land where no one lives, an uninhabited desert, to satisfy a desolate wasteland and make it sprout with grass. Does the rain have a father? Who fathers the drops of dew? From whose womb comes the ice? Who gives birth to the frost from the heavens when the waters become hard as stone, when the surface of the deep is frozen? 
Oh my goodness, well, I've got to quit, but I could go on for an hour about the design of water because I had a chemistry professor that could go on for an hour on the design of water. And he was mesmerized by it, about how it is perfect for life, about how even when it freezes, it freezes from top down. If it freezes from the bottom up, marine life would die. But no, it's top down and that saves them. And when water comes down, it brings nitrogen back to the planet, which is desperately needed. But we need a nitrogen balance. And guess what? The number of lightning strikes on a planet at any given time is roughly the same number. We are constantly discharging what we need of static electricity, returning nitrogen back to the soil. It is balanced. The number of clouds, balanced. Then the rain forms, balanced. Every raindrop forms what is the father of the rain every raindrop is formed around a particle of dust if we didn't have deserts we couldn't have rain it's a balance would you start bringing your people back up there's more about the water cycle we'll get to some of this but childlike wonder is called for here would you stand as i as we read i'll read um the last passage Job 38, 31. Can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, the stars? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Can you bring forth the constellations in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the, of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? First slide, please. Wonder is called for. That's a star factory, 100,000 light years from right here. It's creating stars as we stand here. Next slide, please. My favorite of the star factories, and we found hundreds of thousands of them, is the Horsehead Nebula. Here it is back from a bit, and you can see the hydrogen and helium gases as they collapse. Take a look at the next close-up of it. You can see even more stars erupting. This is only one. And the last slide then. A massive cloud. Larger by a million times than our solar system is forming right now. Billions of stars. It is okay to question God. But let us remember who we are. And take comfort that he loves us. But open our eyes to the wonder of the mystery of our journey through life.